Your support helps us bring fresh voices, new voices, and credible voices. Support Mind Podcast by clicking on support the Mind Podcast link on mind.net. You can also write to us at info at mind.net about any other way you would like to support Mindmakers. Hello and welcome to Mind Podcast 95.0, your weekly source for news, views and analysis and analysis of news and especially for this week, any outrage free news. <laughs> this is Adit Kapadia coming to you on an extremely uh, chilly afternoon from Houston together with me as Sonanda Vashisht and Pramod Kumar Boravalli. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you, Adit? Pretty I'm good. Fine. Yeah. Usually chilly, December ahead. So, yes. Uh, as to use the Game of Thrones reference, winter is coming or winter yeah. has come. But <laughs> more, I am surprised at how quickly it has become so cold. Yeah. Next it's, week there. Uh, it's going to go down below freezing. Yeah, so yeah, this, this, uh, this cold December, I think I haven't seen for the last five six yeah. years or so. Yeah. It's okay. I I don't oh, mind it. You are the girl of uh, mountains. Girl of mountains. <laughs> yes. So you shouldn't mind. I don't it mind the cold. So no, I, mean, I don't mind this cold also. It's cool yeah. as long as it doesn't hamper my driving. Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. anyways, getting back to the news of the week. Um, man, lots of things happened. Um, I don't know, Pramod, did you lock yourself up in your office? No. <laughs> no. Sunanda, did you? No, even I, I, I was locked. Achha, but I did not lock locked. myself. Oh, I locked you. No? That's you, you locked me. Locked. <laughs> <laughs> because too much work. Uh, no, I'm kidding. So, but uh, Mamta Vanity did lock herself up in the office. Yeah. For 30 hours? For what 30 hours. After 30 hours. Why did she come out? Because after that. Um, Counting no. was done. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. She realized that this is not going to um, go anywhere. Mm. I don't think she has support of even um, ordinary Bengalis for that. I mean, what was she talking about? She was just, she just kept thinking that the army had taken over uh, Republic of Bengal or something. It was crazy. She just, um, I don't know. There are two ways of thinking about it. The biggest critics of demonetization drive for Narendra Modi are uh, Mamta Banerjee 1 and Mamta Banerjee 2 Arvind Kejriwal. So these two people, whether they are doing it out of insanity or they are doing it no, out you, of... The, name, the, the names you mentioned there enough. Mamta yeah. Banerjee and Arvind Kejriwal. No, it, it could also be very... See, other people are also... Congress is also um, talking about it and other parties are also talking about it. But they have... They have so concerned that, themselves more with the implementation no, 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 and they're talking about the implementation. So the, the, first of all, the, the demonetization implementation has had a lot of questions. Uh, I, I have been a supporter of the scheme. No, no, no. But let me just, yeah. you know, one second, I hmm. want to add something. First of all, when it came to the payday issues, when on 1st December a lot of people get paid, there were issues with that. Now, raising those issues is one thing. Yeah. But jumping out with conspiracy theories like yeah. So there are two, there are two critics of demonetization. So many, most critics are about implementation. So this involves Congress party and other related parties, SP and other parties and uh, tons of economists, including Paul Krugman now and um, Amartya Sen who came out in public and everything. All of them are talking about that it's impossible to implement. It's, it doesn't do any good. Uh, say. But Mamta Banerjee and Arvind Kejriwal are saying the entire demonetization drive is wrong. Don't do it. So the, that is the difference between these two camps right. of critics. So Mamta Banerjee, whether she is seeing a political 
game on this in 2019. She feels that this is the way she can carve a niche for herself in rest of India. Remains to be seen. My sense of the whole situation is that she has come out even more cynical and even more laughable out of this. I mean, who was is um, Delhi going to stage a, is Indian Army going to stage a coup in uh, West Bengal? This is ludicrous. And I, th I think this 2019 comparisons are laughable because you talk to people in other states. You, I, I mean, of course, I talk to people in Gujarat all the time. You talk to people in Bombay. You talk to people in Hyderabad. You talk to people in Hyderabad. None of them are even. They are never going to vote for Trinamool Congress. No. They are never. I mean, even despite if they, that, all India Trinamool in front of it. Uh -huh, I mean, so uh, I mean, all India is uh, oxymoron. Yeah. Is, but I mean, now she is in Tripura, so mm. then she is in two states. But um, uh, regardless, uh, no one's going to vote for them. I mean, mm. if they don't, they don't agree with the BJP. They'll probably go for the Congress or in Andhra Pradesh you have the TRS and other parties and stuff. But you we don't see them becoming a pan-India phenomenon right. at the moment. And yeah. the funniest. Newton has been of the Shiv Sena. Yeah. Because they were somehow outraged. They even were participating in that and then they cancelled the band or I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what is their position now. But they, they, that's what happens when so, you don't have a leader who has any kind of, which is Udhav Thakre, who does not, uh, who's not a visionary, who does not really think, who just gets swayed by the winds of change. So Udhav Thakre is just a bad letdown after Bal Thakre. So Bal Thakre, whatever he did, he stood for something. Exactly. Whether you agreed or not, he stood yeah, every, for something. Every 10 years. Every 10 years, he stood for something. Every 10 years, he, he stood, stood for, for something. something and then, and then he changed. He changed. Huh. But Udhav Thakre, he doesn't hmm. even stand for any like, for 10 for minutes. for example, in 2007, he stood for Pratibha Patil. Because yeah. he wanted a Marathi woman. And then so, in 2012, he stood for another candidate from Harashtra Pranam Mukherjee. Yes. So, <laughs> he would stand for something, you know, I mean, something. But Udhav Thakre will no, not you stand. You have to understand, but there is a difference. I think Bal Udhav Thakre is showing the same tendencies that Bal Thakre showed in his last 10-15 years after he lost power, is changing according to the situation. But <coughs> Udhav Thakre does not have the charisma of Bal Thakre of getting people to believe why he chose this decision. Yeah. Yeah, he cannot sell and, it. Yeah, he cannot like, sell it. Like Bal Thakre would sell it. Bal Thakre could sell it. Yeah. Bal Thakre could come with a video audience in 10 minutes and could sell it at his Dashira yeah. rally. Yeah. Udav Thakre does not have that um, so, sorry, charisma at all. Yeah. And I think also one of the genuine criticisms of this 500 and 1000 rupee demonetization, mm -hmm. it's not complete demonetization, demonetization yeah. is the explanations that are given by the party, which I have studied in detail. Uh, once they started this whole process, they said that uh, there is terrorist activities, Naxal activities that is being, uh, you know, cut, cut down because mm -hmm. of this demonetization effort. Second was that they are trying to bring back the uh, unaccounted money back into the system and with declarations uh, duly made. Third that they made was that this was a war that Prime Minister Modi was fighting, you know, to basically uh, get people to become uh, part of the digital economy. These are the three arguments given. Mm. Fourth thing that I am personally not convinced about is what do they plan to do with the money that basically does not come back. So for example, the 14 and a half lakh crores on the day they said that was in circulation of which according to all official and unofficial, all of it has already all come, come back. back. So there is no benefit 
that the RBI can claim from this. Because monetary. RBI was initially hoping that a lot of currency would Will get not, extinguished. Yeah. yeah. So and that, that means, did not happen. That means all the black has been converted to into white. white. Let me ask you a question and I'll let you speak. I just wanted to ask you one question for the benefit of myself and for the thing. When you say all the currency has come back, is it that people have found proxies to uh, put those, deposit those, uh, that money in bank accounts? Because one person could not have uh, deposited the, the whole next, thing. That is the next level that in Modi has to initiate, which is but, why that Jandan accounts have swelled from 20,000 crores to mm. all the way now. So people could have found proxies to deposit the money but, via who? But, them. but yeah. I'm not wholly convinced that that is the only way the money has come back into the system. Mm. You know, it could be maybe 20 to 25 percent. But there is genuine fear amongst real centrist economists that the money was already in circulation as white. The black had been converted into white. Then what was the need to do this demonetization? So there is this pro uh, genuine criticism that tell us the real reasons. Is it mm. a political decision to get rid and bring a new change into the political economy of the country, mm. which is what he's talking about now. He's going around these rallies and saying that that is the only logic he's giving See, us. See, if you um, uh, go back to two podcasts before this, I had said, and um, I think Adit had asked me, and I had said that the big side effect, which I had called a side effect then, and now I'm calling the main effect of this demonetization drive, is expanding the tax base is bringing more and more people in the tax bracket so what happens is in india if you don't you know people are not even used to um, uh, filling out the tax form even if you don't have any taxes to pay even if you go are under and you don't pay any taxes you still should be paying um, mm -hmm. filling out a tax form right. in india that does not happen so i think he is trying to as i had spoken to you also that any any country cannot expect to be a modern economy without having taken care of Correct. this only with five percent people paying taxes this will Correct. not work it has to be the tax thing has to be implemented right. really well right. so i think this is going to become one of the main right effects or so to say right. this thing of this monetization drive right. i want to ask you another question and both of you can uh, sort of weigh in on this i want to know if this all this entire money was um the black so to say black money was converted into uh, white right. so that was already in circulation so was there no hoarded money what happened to the hoarded money no the ho ha now of the money that has come back now again prime finance minister every day we have to observe what the finance ministry is saying mm -hmm. you know although you know the, the speculation was he was not kept under loop that i don't think he was no, no. Uh, not of course uh, he was, was kept in loop this is yeah. something that is uh, vehemently been, been denied by the finance minister mm. himself there is no way this exercise could have happened without his knowledge no no of course now, now no, every day, day let me uh, finish mm. this uh, because i have to answer her question every day he's uh, sending out a series of press releases and tweets that the money that has come back not all of it is genuine money although it has been converted and that that is the answer to your question. Mm. Is this money, genuine money that taxes have already been paid, paid on. or on? Yeah, that's my on, question. Mm. That is the audit that needs to be done. Mm. And to answer your question about hoarded money, mm. you know, you had two economies, construction economy and the wedding economy. Mm. 
running both mm-hmm. running for hoarded money mm-hmm. there are there are there are reports of weddings you know being mm-hmm. cut down to size and stuff so usme kya hota tha you had hoarded money and those black money quote unquote did turn to white right yeah. or yeah. not really white but you pushed it back, it back circul- to circulation. circulation so now the question is and that's the economic argument a lot of economists say ki acha ye paisa bhale black ka ho but at least it is in the economy mm-hmm. yahan pe you have taken it out of the economy mm-hmm. so is that a good thing or a bad thing uh, uh, and it's uh, uh, the definition between economic and immoral लेकिन इन चार साल में गलत काम हुआ लेकिन उससे चार साल पहले गलत काम नहीं था दिस इज वॉट स्मार्ट पीपल है लॉस एंड रेगुलेशन टू go into their favor so if it is required they uh, i mean for example this money that has come back to the system now if proper audit is done hmm. even if they find out that 20% of the money that has gotten back is unaccounted money that has come back into the system hmm. then at least some part of the goals are achieved but unfortunately the prime minister is not able to make the case because of whatever reason as to why this whole exercise no, and, and you have to answer, answer basic, objective in mind you have to answer a basic question are you okay with immoral money coming into as long as it funds the economy or to clean up the political economy is it necessary to take this immoral money out of the thing as well and that's the question that the prime minister i, I think that is the political turn he is taking right now mm-hmm. he is going on in this murada muradabad rally also that is exactly what he is doing is main fakir hu main kuch nahi leke jaunga but jo log isme se dare hue hain they are the ones who are going to suffer that is what he is saying before we get to our uh, next topic um, i do want to say that this is mind makers production this mind podcast is brought to you by the mind makers team this uh, podcast is produced and edited by adit kapadia with the help of our team in india the panelists for the um, podcast are adit kapadia pramod kumar buravalli and sunanda vashish which is me so right now we're going to talk some fantastic things about this fantastic newsletter or the, fantastic, the fantastic article that i've heard <laughs> there are three fantastic people sitting in this fantastic room on this fantastic day in and US. you're quite fantastic yourself oh i know that <laughs> bigly announcement announcement you'll be making yeah the um, we're going to make this podcast great again it is already great <laughs> how are you going to make it further great अभी minister he had a conversation conversation happened yeah. what the content is uh, the content, the, content. Ah, the content okay let me rephrase the conversation whose ah. contents are alleged yeah. so he had it with the alleged leader of pakistan yeah <laughs> that is correct that's correct with nawaz sharif that part is correct <laughs> because you know whenever i reason i say alleged leader is because whenever in sunanda tweeted this whenever a leader of pakistan appoints an army chief very interesting times happen in pakistan never, the next two no it, this is this is a fact Um you know that uh, Bhutto chose Zia and you know what happened and I never knew there was a ceremonial handing of the baton 
no he said he said it was it was completely it was not in tune with the transcripts of conversations that are released right. when two people uh, talk it was something about and i do think that um, either someone made a great copy or what because trump does speak like that no, you cannot <laughs> okay so let me ask you something if you hypothetically were ever writing a speech for anyone or transcribing would you use the word fantastic three times in a sentence unless the person uses fantastic precisely my point yeah precisely my yeah. point so or, then, or somebody really smart on the pakistani side uh, made the transcript so that the other side could not could deny not deny it. so let me let me just backtrack one little bit and say what is going on when the president of united states makes a call or president elect of united states makes a call to a foreign leader to um, you know uh, head of the state the state department mm-hmm. usually swings into action right. so in front of him before the call there will always be um, you know briefing they will you will always know and the briefing is so intense and so detailed that you will actually know that even the head of the state if there is any illness in his family if there is any sickness in his family if he has any romantic alignment with anybody if there is anything you know to that extent is yeah. what the state department will give you the information when the president of united states is on the call mm-hmm. so and then it goes through the call goes through very <coughs> secured wedding uh, process and telephone lines it does not go on your regular phone call or regular line this thing now this president elect trump he has not been listening to any of the state government this thing in fact when this happened uh, white house did not even know of this um, uh, call had um, happened that's why they didn't talk about it so he has been refusing all these inputs from state government after all all institutions oh. have what we call institutional memory so he has to allow himself to hear what the state government is saying i mean state department is saying and this also happened the phone call happened over the regular phone call it didn't even go through the state department lines. exactly and this extreme distrust of protocol is also reflected in the call he made to the taiwan president if you know yes that, exactly pattern here yes. sabhi nahi hai ki he's doing this uh, mm-hmm. and nobody knows that he's mm-hmm. doing it there's mm-hmm. something going on where he's trying to bypass extremely uh, well established protocols that exist across international diplomatic protocols that exist yeah, exactly and then so so there is some uh, i would say these uh, beltway boys as they're called mm-hmm. have some sort of uh, uh, thing against uh, trump that they don't want to Uh, I, I'm 100% sure that there will be impeachment proceedings. I keep going back to this. <laughs> There's this man impeachment. impeachment proceedings against Donald Trump before he becomes he, president. Or... There's already a signature campaign, Sunandaji, that has gotten so many on that change. Will there be an impeachment of president-elect? Be- is my question. Because they're saying that he got, she got two million votes more on the popular vote. Two and they, a half. Have uh, two and a half now. that they are saying that we should overturn the electoral process and call for a new uh, no that is rubbish he won the election fair ah, and square so, i am not so, going into that but what so i am is, saying is that trump needs to do two things trump needs to a tone down his twitter he needs somebody needs to take his phone away he does not need the phone 
So and another thing Are you that he, Kellyanne? I know. Uh, Kellyanne, please take his phone away. And another thing that I am um, yeah. saying, he needs to understand that there is something called institutional memory. Exactly. Right. All mm -hmm. institutions have something called which not everyone knows, but they, they have protocols, they you know understand something. So even if we had to talk to Vietnam, I mean um, Taiwan. Taiwan. I understand if he is changing the, you know, the dynamics of that relationship. You know, funnily, he could probably, he could potentially do that too. I know. The, Vietnam Vietnam like, Hello, Mr. The, Vietnam. the problem <laughs> that I've got with this uh, yes. uh, unconventional way of attempting things is he's calling places where there is trouble already brewing. This yeah. is almost very uncanny. You know, you can call Nigeria, you can call South Africa, or you can call places where, you know, really nothing's going on there. Mm. But to call... A, a, a country where the United States actually and his explanation is with uh, with respect to Taiwan that we have already sold billions of dollars which is true. to Taiwan which is true even uh, although the United States broke off uh, its diplomatic ties yeah, with yeah, the which Taiwan. is true and they recognize but one so China that, that policy thing. but that doesn't mean you will as no, president there, elect you no, will no, no, there is no foreign policy expert or so I can see in the Trump team right now None. not in the transition None. team and defense expert does not mean foreign policy no, expert. Exactly. no. because defense expert is a separate deal and foreign policy is yeah. and you can't even have because the establishment does right now the Trump does have a lot of hawks so he's probably going to need a moderate voice because if you want to do diplomatic maneuvering when you take a hardliner position on defense and other issues there has to you are going to need somebody who has that connect with the world leaders who can do some maneuvering my point was even if he was going no, to talk to Taiwan there has to be some no, 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 no. you know you, you cannot just go around and say that I'm going to the, the, change no, the, the 40 50 year old uh, convention the, the phrase the phrase Sunanda is looking for there has to be some method to the madness yeah right now we are only seeing a madness, madness and no method no but there is there is there is not I, I can't call it a method you're right there is mm. no method to this madness but I think there is madness mm. the madness in this is that the, he's trying to mm. prod the military industrial complex uh, to the extent that basically to show China as an adversary mm. is going to sell arms to Vietnam, mm. he's going to sell arms to Taiwan, he's mm. going to continue doing that with India. But that the timing of it, that is where mm. a foreign policy expert who is needed. Is needed. I, yeah, that's what I was saying. And, and let me tell you something, I, I, saw, I heard this on a TV show or somewhere, yeah. but this line is very good because somebody was trying going outside the book. So where he said, you can go outside the book because there is a book. Yeah, exactly. no when you throw that book out of the window, everything is out, nothing is outside nor inside. Mm -hmm. right. So you have to be careful. Going outside the book, yeah. going unconventional is all fair. You know, sure, you have a new establishment, but you cannot throw everything unconventional out of the window. <laughs> we saw that with Modi also. A lot of hawks on the right in India were disappointed also that Modi chose a very... Now, Modi went outside the book with the surgical strike. But after he tried everything in the book, yes, you could exactly you could exactly. argue now you could argue whether you like that approach. I have argued that I found the approach to be ambiguous on this podcast. But multiple, then, but he followed the book and then you go outside the book. Yeah, you that cannot is why start I keep, from outside the book. That's why I keep telling the um, which uh, reminds me right I, should write, I should write something on foreign policy soon. I haven't written. No, no, that's why I want to tell the right wing who identify themselves as right wing in India that please do not compare Modi with Trump. There is nothing, uh, and that's why I wrote that piece. Uh, no, that's what brought. 
this not, point. I know. No, do not compare. There is nothing in common. The self-restraint that Mr. Modi has showed is, anything, and the respect for institutions that Modi has showed is on, on a lighter note, I don't know how Mr. Doval would be like com being compared to General Michael Flynn. So, <laughs> and, and, and the word of caution that I, I had with the Hindus in America who supported Trump and Shalab Shali Kumar and all of these people who think that he's the new messiah who who's, who's going to deliver some sort of justice for uh, Hindus is, is, is unfounded because Trump really couldn't care less. Trump mm -hmm. is somebody who is really clinically trying to go around setting the economy right, uh, possibly beginning with the military industrial complex which has products ready to sell. You know, so he's, he's obviously going to go around and uh, make a big issue of providing security to countries. So he's going mm -hmm. to ask South Korea, uh, he's going to ask Japan, he's going to uh, ask Taiwan, Germany and all of these countries to foot the bill for all of his uh, policies here mm -hmm. in the United States. So yeah. there is that, but, no, I, I, but, I, I, but India and China are no pushovers these days. But no. I, 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 I slightly disagree on that, Pramod. I yeah. think that will happen, but probably a little later. I think for any US president, they, how they start off with is they decide that this is going to be my legacy for Obama. It was Obamacare in Cuba and stuff. For Trump, I think he's going to make infrastructure redevelopment his, his thing and he's going to start with that pushing because under Trump, I think America is going to become a little more insular than... And in that seen. Republican playbook, Adit, they select small countries to invade. This is typically the Republican playbook. Whether mm -hmm. Trump adheres to that or not is to be seen. What small countries invade? No, any country. You know, no, no, I, I think invade is too strong a word. What he meant was that the arms lobby should or the arms manufacturing should, should continue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, so, yeah. for example, Ronald Reagan was criticized because of this uh, uh, Contra deal in South, uh, South and Central America, right? Iran Contra mm -hmm. deal. And hence he went, ended up going and invading Panama, mm -hmm. Grenada. Remember those uh, yeah, turbulent yeah. times in the 80s? Yeah. So there is this... Uh, playbook that the Republicans also have to conform to wage mm. war, keep the military industrial complex busy, engaged, mm. make money. So that is what I, I don't want India to be uh, overwhelmed and over. India is by this, too big uh, and exactly. too mature and under Narendra Modi too, it has taken too proud to be doing that. Yeah. And that is why I think last week somebody was uh, asking me my opinion on a congressional hearing that is about mm. to happen uh, this week about an NGO, an American NGO that is spreading Christianity in India that the Indians caught and are now putting completely, they're mm. closing the, the mm. locks to the gate, they're changing the locks and the Americans are really dumbfounded that, yeah. you know, they here Indians were welcoming American NGOs with open arms, mm. Indians will continue to welcome Americans with open arms but not NGOs. So let me ask Sunanda a quick question and I'm going to wrap up this segment, we'll move to the next one because uh, about six months ago or something we were both me and you were arguing over this part whether the road to Lahore via, from Delhi goes via DC or not mm -hmm. do you think under Trump it will still go via DC or you think that is not possible no it will go via DC I have a feeling that I, I don't think it might happen but I'm going to reserve my judgment for, yeah, for six we'll see. months but and, it I will get go that, that, and I was just asking for your quick analysis mm. but yeah at the moment yes you think so it's still because I'm thinking state department is going to prepare. yeah it depends on whoever is the second case yeah, I, I mean this is again complete unscientific I just yeah. was asking for a quick opinion on this so now I want to bring our attention to a sad indictment on 
the outrage media or whatever and the reason why I say sad entertainment was there was this Murthal gang rape during the Haryana agitation or something right the news I think chart agitation and there in was Haryana. this journalist Tariq Anwar who broke the story and turns out now he wrote for first post and first post carried it uh, and gave it a lot of importance and mm. it became a huge news because a lot of people picked it up from there he um allegedly now he well at that time it wasn't he reported the news that a whole bunch of women had been gang raped in murthal in middle of the night and he was insinuating insinuating that it was jarts who had uh, right. because this was a, right. a jart agitation right so he was trying to create this jart and yeah so he was trying to create this fault line uh, so these women had been um, raped yeah. In the middle of the night, there was no. He produced some tapes. He produced some uh, this thing, and no one, but no other people picked up his stories. But I don't see anyone. I didn't see anyone doing their own investigation mm. and finding out what the truth was. I remember when this news came out, it just did not seem right to me. And what happens is these days when you write anything, when you this thing, you know, you have this everyone pouncing on you oh my god here the women have gone through this and you're not um, you know um, uh, how can you say this and how can you be anti-feminist anti-women everything becomes anti-feminist my biggest problem was that if there was a gang rape like that where are these women where why are they not talking to the media where are they what what no, happened no, that, why are they they're not going to the police yeah, or but what that, is going that is the advantage this reporter took that yeah. generally that women don't talk they about it talk about and they it. didn't uh, this thing. Could concoct this, and this whole this entire turns out you know sometimes what happens yeah. i have seen people exaggerate stories i have seen people take one thing yeah. one person died they will suddenly add five more people and yeah. died and six people but something has happened right. there is no smoke without fire at right. least there would right. be fire right. this was no fire no um nothing i mean this was all smoke he created this entire smoke screen and um you know concocted this mm. entire story nothing had happened so uh, my point was that this one journalist finally he admitted by the way he admitted it in the court mm. so my point was that finally one journalist admitted to doing what most others do <laughs> well, you, I mean, this is a sad thing, but what I was saying was, and I tweeted about this, there was a Christian under attack, under, Christians under attack, yeah. and there was this Bombay auto driver, um, uh, the bag, leather bag instance, then there was this instance, all of them we found out to be exaggerations or fabrications, either or, in some cases exaggeration, some more, yeah. and not true. So the problem is not just people who are peddling these stories. There are problem people who are enthusiastically sharing this because oh, it fits our narrative. Or the mahal aisa ban gaya ki this is so possible, you know? Wo jo bakwas wo thi. So and that is I remember the Times of India page where they had shown all the Christian voices. Enough, say worry Christians. Yes, that was the headline. And even in this demonetization, they did some HDFC bank this thing that oh one person died in the demonetization. Then they said that, oh, HDFC Bank said, we don't even have an ATM branch there. What are you talking about? And then they retracted the story on the fifth page or sixth page. But take a step back. This brings us to the biggest problem. What does this say about our society that a journalist can concoct a story about gang rape? What does this say about our society? And what does this say about journalism? I have been saying forever that if 
our politics is tainted at the moment, if our other institutions, bureaucracy is tainted at the moment, why should our media not be tainted? Of course, media is tainted. And this is not part of... Um, the four pillars, the four yeah. pillars that judiciary, executive, uh, your, uh, uh, you know, uh, then your media yeah. and... Uh, you know, generally speaking, of the four, yeah. the highest, uh, uh, I would say, the pedestal has been set for judiciary. Because yes. judiciary is ultimately the independent decision maker. Everything, they are yeah. They're independent. They are considered to be doing this for the sheer love of uh, their, hmm. their line of uh, activity. Media has not been held accountable because, till date, uh, to generally the middle class which has been uh, part of the television revolution or the radio revolution eventually the internet revolution the new media has uh, become the voice at least adding voice to what they had to say mm -hmm. but as this has uh, gone along with the tech the social media revolution that has happened voices are now showing uh, up everywhere that will we have so many uh, opinions that are coming in, so many facts that are being shown to us, but which is the watchdog that will keep an eye on the media reports also because this is becoming mm -hmm. much bigger than what but Let me ask be. you this, media in India always keeps saying that, oh, we would be, we should be self-regulated and then there is editor's guild. By the way, editor's guild ha has not spoken a word about this. So why, should, yeah. so why should anybody be, uh, that, all you all know, have any faith in editor's guild whatsoever? All the news actors who have done programs on this thing. Shouldn't they be doing programs on this as well? Yes. Talking about this. Those people who talked about Muthal, shouldn't they be... Pro and I have not seen any famous editors take a stand on this and say that we are ashamed that one of us could do this. One of us could bring a bad name to I, journalism. The only person I saw, I think Sachin Kalbag. Yeah, other than that, I haven't seen anyone. So this, this is actually, you know, I am, as someone who is very closely and part of this new media yeah. movement this kind of makes me happy because you know it, it it gives space to people like us who have been waging this war this I don't want to use the word crusade because it has all its other thing but it's it's truly a war that we have been waging against um, the no, establishment media and we have been saying that it is not this war is not about who is neutral and who is not neutral we have been saying that we don't care about your neutrality I, this is a war about credibility and can i can i say something that if stories are supposed to be done on perception and not facts at least we make our positions clear yes exactly and that is why i've been saying that in this debate i don't care if you're neutral okay, or you, not you brought about the supreme court and i want to bring up this issue okay now <clears throat> supreme court is busy um, doing a lot of other things but apart it's taking a, a part of that taking a keen interest in bcci for i god knows what in the cricket now i've, I've said this ten thousand times that i i don't think what bcci is doing is everything is clean it right. needs to be reformed but supreme court also has to understand that in india where sports organizations are probably the epitome of i mean they're filthy corrupt filthily corrupt this is one organization where players are getting the benefits and it's been done professionally. And second thing, I read something about this national anthem being played before the movies, which I thought was bizarre. Now, I'll tell you my position on it. Wherever the national anthem is played, India, of course, but any country, I respect the national anthem. I stand up. I, it's, it's just out of respect. I stand up and, if I'm, you know, if I can, because that's just as a mark of respect. But why should 
it be mandated to be played before every movie is beats me because no and also um, you know something there is sanctity to everything even national anthem and this thing so if before a movie this thing no, i just let me be very i, I can understand no, i, me, I can no, understand let me be very crude if there is an erotic thriller like basic instinct why should the indian national anthem be played before that no and you know i can understand playing it in schools playing it in um, yeah. assemblies playing it before any kind of or if india is playing somewhere and yeah. of course that is something that swells our chest and we are happy but in a movie i mean i think lordships really need to go back and this is called the nationalization of supreme court they are trying to irrationalization as a competition to the bhartiya janata party you know ki har ek jagah pe you leave it up to the movie maker see i have seen a lot of movies i'll give you an example 1942 love story vidhuvinod chopra had the national anthem being played at the end when the flag is raised i have seen movies where vande mataram is played or that leave it to the movie even the movie bombay had national anthem yeah so if if you want movie directors should be able to choose that and okay. moreover i don't like the idea of private movie hall owners being told by the courts what to do now i mean i am okay if they are showing a government of india film and the government of india wants to play the national song that's different but i i use the example of erotic thrillers because i think it's it's insane that people would go for some a movie like that and you show the national anthem before it i think it's no I mean, and the other part is how are you going to enforce it no, no. why are you going to put police in every hall i mean what are you thinking what is this ridiculousness how are you going to enforce that, it that is why in these four pillars the judiciary the executive the legislator and the media media has all the more a little bit over and above the uh, yeah. responsibility because they it's not entirely publicly funded yeah. you know if it is doordarshan or all india radio that's a different yeah. matter but when you are pri- privately funded like the you know the mind makers project that we are running uh, we have a certain responsibility a certain responsibility to say that these are the stakeholders that we uh, are involved with and this is the news that we carry yeah. with a certain uh, with certain disclaimers with a sense of responsibility uh media is unable to at least call, if you remember at the past, past one month the law minister and the supreme court uh, justices have been going back and forth about the appointments of justices also that there's a woefully uh, inadequate number of appointees that is happening uh, the law minister gave it back to the the mm. the uh, chief justices that well they they are not doing enough on mm. their part to complete the process so there is a churning that is happening and i come back to narendra modi as the harbinger of this churn because yeah. he has brought in morality to such a level that it is difficult for even bjp to match it in his successor so mm-hmm. tomorrow if they find a successor to narendra modi in 10 15 years time frame who is even you know 2% less in morality as far as modi is concerned bjp will not come to power <laughs> that is the height at which bjp is operating it, with narendra modi it, it brings us to the question of what we said the economy versus morality exactly morality. exactly and that is where I, everybody have asked even in south india sundaji they are supporting narendra modi that yeah. he is the one who took the battle to the uh, halls of the bjp yeah. that the bjp itself has been affected by this demonetization yeah. but he is such a character mm-hmm. that has used his a moral, moral leverage that he has mm. to inflict the damage on his own party imagine what a good man he must be this yeah. is the talk i'm getting from everybody yeah. that that is the popularity he is running on uh, unfortunately we have to come back to narendra modi or everything <laughs> converges on him on him uh, seems so so 
So, um, as we wrap up this podcast, we the news coming in that um, uh, Mrs. J. Jayalalitha, the Chief Minister of Tamil Nadu, has suffered a cardiac arrest and she's being kept in the ICU. Um, she's been in the hospital for two months. We've talked about her health on the podcast and I, I firmly believe that it should be um, public information. I think uh, if chief the, if the chief minister is this sick that you I mean mm-hmm. there has been insane amount of secrecy regarding what what her but clearly the reports are showing that she's a very very critical yes uh, in fact an hour when I woke up this morning the news flash of this thing was that the Apollo doctors have said that she's fine she's doing fine she has recovered uh, and completely then and then two hours later the news of cardiac arrest came so there's no way of knowing what's going on but all we can say is that we hope she recovers and at the moment there is the situation is very grim is what uh, we the hear. governor had to fly in uh, we even hear that the ministers are flying in to yeah. check on the health I spoke to a couple of reporters who are on ground in uh, Chennai and that's what they told me that the situation is pretty grim there are um, at that point there were about 20000 people in front of Apollo at that point so I just lead and just tell everyone um you know all amma supporters please stay calm and uh, we hope she recovers pretty soon but knowing the pulse of the people of uh, tamil nadu and having seen first hand the the unfortunate violence that erupted after the assassination MGM. of uh, rajiv gandhi Rajiv-Gandhi. in 1991 um and the kind of uh, any, you know animated emotions that people are it's very difficult to predict the state at this point in time especially when apollo hospitals tweets that the honorable cm is the beloved leader of the mass the hospital doesn't have to uh, tweet about it mm. and yet they did it's very uh, kind of an unsure situation uh, i think we urge our uh, readers to um, you know take the news in the right uh, perspective in the sense that these things cannot be uh, predicted by anybody um, hope uh, Tamil Nadu sees better days very soon and if there is any quick update that we can pass on to our uh, listeners we will be doing it yes absolutely as in as in when we know we will yeah, have she, a, um, a yeah, quick no, bite no, no, she, and she fought a very tough election last uh, yeah. this year actually this year and came back for a historic second term uh, and jailalta uh, is quite she's 68 she's yeah. quite young she's not that old we just hope that she's doing well i yeah. mean it's it's kind of uh, sad one also a shout out to uh, mrs shushma shoraj who's been yes. very she's battling she yes. she's battling uh, kidney transplant and yes kidney well, praise that even she does very well yeah. and, and as as even today she is in aims and, and she's attending to the calls and, and everything I to, this is a small thing but I, i was going to send out a tweets in which i still may but one special shout out to the uh, mea and the cgi in houston that i was dealing with my indian passport and the process has become so smooth and everything here to there that it's it's just they've cluttered they've removed the clutter and it's you know you don't have to wait that much it's it's been excellent so more credit to the MEA and CGI in Houston who have been you know working around the clock to make all these procedures better for indians yeah. so without much further without further ado i think we come back to what is one of our favorite parts of the weekly podcast is our recommendations the non political recommendations yes uh, before we come to that i have to recommend this one uh, term 
in an article that me and Sunanda were laughing about in Time magazine, they called <laughs> that Donald Trump had the Trumpiest phone call with Nawaz Sharif. And I absolutely <laughs> loved the term Trumpiest. I think we are going to be using the word Trumpiest pretty... Uh, oh, no. yeah, Trumpiest phone call leads to Tempest. Tempest. <laughs> God, that was Sunanda... Uh, Shakespeare. I'm channeling my inner uh, literature uh, student but I was I thought about the uh, recommendation and I'm going to give my recommendation that I had thought but since um, Jalalita is in news I recommend everyone every single person just listen to this the only time the only time only single time Jalalita lowered her guard and talked about her life wept laughed, sang, was in Rendezvous with Sippy Greval. Yeah, I think we I talked about the song yes. on the recommendation. I'm not sure if I've seen uh, we've recommended no, we, we've this. talked about the song. The yeah. Sanam, yes. Talk, I would um, recommend everyone to watch that two-part interview. She talks in detail about her life, about how she was raised, about her life as an actress, and then from moving into the political scenario. And she actually ends up singing a Hindi song. So I, I recommend everyone. I mean, I have to admit that when I watched that, I was a little bit teary when I watched it the first time because um, you may say whatever about uh, Jailalita and how she came to power but once she came to power she once she was you know she did chart her own way to come oh, to this she's point a she's a self now of course the way she came to power and the splitting of the party and stuff is that's different but after that uh, you know she has charted I, her I own way say, I'm not a fan of this hegeographic culture around I'm not the either but, figure, but that's how I think Tamil Nadu politics has been for the last no, I, I will talk about it shortly also. I know that uh, it, uh, I will have to. But uh, for people like me who have spent 25 years in propounding the concept of Hindutva, I've always felt that she is an epitome of soft, very soft Hindutva. I agree. Uh, except for that arrest of Shankaracharya and her uh, way of handling things. Um, with the I think she's, and I was telling you this before party. the podcast also, mm. she is closest what a South Indian Tibetan party has right. come to Especially when you go, are going against such a out of uh, upfront and uh, really aggressive party yeah. like the DMK yeah. under yeah. that is a very valiant uh, fight valiant she fight. has. Uh, mm. So that was one uh, thing and another yeah. um, thing that I am reading a book called uh, Night by Ellie Wiesel. I recommend that book to everyone. This is um, an account of a boy who was caught in Holocaust. I really recommend this book to everyone. It's a very short, slim, I have it in front of me. I'm actually reading it uh, right now. I was reading it before the podcast. It is a slim book and um, I recommend it to everyone because we must all read about the evil that exists between uh, amongst us and can raise its head anytime again. But do read about this child who was taken to the concentration camp and what happened to him. And why is there anything we can do about it? No, but we must always know that these things happen and they must be passed on from one generation should pass it on to another generation and another generation to another generation. That, that's my recommendation. My recommendation is to watch, if people have Netflix, watch uh, Nirja on Netflix. They yeah. just uploaded it a couple of days ago. We were, Did they? I have to watch it. We have yeah. just, uh, we were browsing and then came through that and and uh, I sat with both of my daughters to show that a young 22-23 year old girl, the bravery that she exhibited at that age. Um, and uh, she got awarded the Ashok Chakra in 87 for that bravery and also has been 
bestowed with many awards. She got, had gone through a very big traumatic arranged marriage prior to that incident also and then she was recovering from it. But the extraordinary uh, courage of Nirja uh, Banoth and her, um, uh, you know, the other flight crew enabled 359 passengers of the Pan Am flight from Delhi to New York to escape. 20 people died, including Nirja Banoth, but she died uh, trying to protect kids and uh, older people mm. and she did her duty till the very end and I'm very proud and protect a lot of American that. passengers because Absolutely. she had the, American the passports passport. and the, this is story this is a legendary story that has come out in the form of a movie mm -hmm. I had known about her because I, we, there were ads also of her she was very popular, uh, very popular and um, but then the exemplary story of how she took decision making to, uh, onto herself mm -hmm. and, and she was only what 23 22, 22, 22, about to turn 23, 23 in two days yeah and she passed away and so uh, i have to, my recommendation is also a film i was actually going to give a different recommendation but then since miss jalitha is in the news i have to recommend a tamil film which i think is one of the finest movies made in india called iruvar made by mani ratnam it is it profiles the rise of mgr yeah. and karunanidhi and uh, 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 allegedly jayalalitha the character of jayalalitha is played by ashwarya rai. rai i say allegedly because poor mani ratnam suffered through a lot because during when he released the movie because mm. it was both the parties hated it but you have to look and Prakash Raj if you see him in all these rubbish roles of being Salman Khan's villain in mm. Hindi movies just see him playing Karunanidhi in this movie yeah. and Mohanlal Mohanlal played MGR? Yes which is I, I to see think movie, one yeah. of his and I let me tell you this I don't speak Tamil mm. so I had to go by subtitles I had to go by dubbing a little mm. bit of Hindi dubbing it's a good movie but Mohanlal's Mohanlal's expressions yeah. were just out of this world and another thing um, I would in that is A.R. Rahman's score background score mm. which is Unbelievable. Even Asha Bhosle sang a song for that, which was a quasi jazz slash mm -hmm. number, which was extraordinary. So, um, Santosh Sivan's camera work, A.R. Rahman's music, and Mani Ratnam. I mean, I miss that Mani Ratnam. Yeah. I think this came out in 97. And there is this scene where Mohanlal and Prakash Raj fall out or something. And Mohanlal does not utter a single dialogue. He just gives four or five expressions, looks, you know, sideways, stop, and just leaves the room. That 30 seconds was just magical to watch. Just wow. his performance. Wow. So, just just watch that movie. Yeah. And that was like, one of, you, you see, I, I mean, sometimes I'll watch these Rajnikanth movies that come dubbed in and stuff. And because I was like too young when Irovar was released and stuff. So, I, I missed out on these movies by uh, Mani Ratnam. But this is one of his finest works. So, yeah. that's my recommendation for the day. That ends this podcast. <clears throat> uh, we'll be back next week with and more. And if there is any news of... Uh, JJ Lalita, we will bring that news to you. Um, we will have updates uh, on the website and we will also have a soundbite. Meanwhile, we pray so, for her recovery. Meanwhile, we pray for her recovery. And uh, we'll be back soon. This is Adit Kapadia, Sumit Navashish, and Pramod Kumar Goravalli signing off. Thanks.